All right. Welcome, everybody. How's everybody doing here tonight? All right. Love seeing all your faces. Hopefully you're here eager to get a fresh word from God and experience what I think could be life-changing for many of you. Deliverance and the lies of the enemy, or deliverance from the lies of the enemy, is something that is so near and dear to my heart. So this message, in fact, this entire series has been right in my wheelhouse. I've been just chomping at the bit, sitting there waiting for my turn to get up and share what God has put on my heart. I feel that God has given me a special, um, special anointing, if you will, to, to speak to the lies of the enemy uh, and to minister deliverance. As many of you know or some of you know, I'm the head of the deliverance ministry here at JFC, Sozo we call it, um, and I have seen countless, countless lives set free from the lies of the enemy simply by hearing the word of God, okay? The enemy lies to us. Make no mistake, everything the enemy says to you is a lie. It's he's the father of lies. It's what he was created for. It's what he does. But all of that can be overcome with God's truth, amen? amen. So guys, hey, before we get going, that was just off the cuff. That was my way of welcoming you guys. But you saw the missions video up there about the global experience launch that's coming up. I want to personally invite you guys to come to that. Jubilee does many, many things well. But one of the things that I feel like we do very, very well, better than many churches, is our missions department. Jubilee missions, our global missions department, at one point, at any given point, our missions team is somewhere in the world spreading the love of God, spreading the word of God throughout Countries that need to hear the word, okay? So global experiences coming up. You'll see more about that later. I want to throw out a quick invite to the men in here. I personally will be leading a missions trip to Haiti sometime. Uh, the dates aren't exactly firm yet, but it will be about April of 2015. I want to take 20, 30 guys from the JFC Highlands Ranch campus over to Haiti. We'll partner with the local church there. We'll do repairs to their building. We haven't exactly decided what our agenda is yet. But, guys, I want you to start praying about that, whether that's something that God would have you do. Either way, come to the global experience. It is, it is a great event, a great night, bringing awareness to the missions, things that we do, and the things going on around the world. <clears throat> All right. So as I start, actually, before I start, I should thank Pastor John and Kate, who did an amazing job in all the previous messages showing us what the, enemies can, what the enemy's lies can do. The enemy lies to us. We know that. We've been told that time and time again. But the way that he lies to us, the things that he does, they creep into our lives and they become a part of who we are. A lot of times we don't even realize that it's happening. Kate and John did such a great job of illustrating the many ways that that can happen and the damage that those lies can do to our lives, to our relationship with God, to our growth personally, and ultimately for distracting us from the mission that God has for us. Did you know that God has a specific thing for you in mind? Before you were ever created, when you were a thought in God's head and he said, I'm going to create this person, he created you with a specific mission, a specific purpose in mind. There's no one else in this room, there is no one else in this world that can fulfill the purpose that God has for you. And so if the enemy can distract you from that purpose just a little bit, by lying to you, by getting you to buy into his lies, then the kingdom of God is lacking something. It's lacking that thing that you would have brought to it. So I want to thank them for, for a great message. I want to go into, as we transition into this message tonight, it's the final message, as Gabe said. It's wrapping up the series, the lies series. And this one is called Personal Lies. 
exposing the lies that we tell ourselves. So if you're sitting here, you're probably saying, well, why would I lie to myself? Some of us knowingly lie to ourselves all the time. I know I do it. I'm not talking about the dangerous lies. I'm talking about the little lies like, well, this weekend, I'm going to mow the lawn, I'm going to fix the car, and I'm going to work out, okay? I knew that was a lie when I said it, okay? <laughs> I, I call it overpromising. okay? It's, it's not the dangerous kind of lies I'm talking about. We do those, we do the, the, the little lies, the white lies to ourselves kind of all the time. Those don't come from the enemy. Those come from our overestimating our ability and our time sometimes. Here's the lie that I'm talking about. I'm talking about the lies that the enemy tells you that keep you from what God has. And if he can keep you from what God has for you, then as I said before, the kingdom is lacking. Those are the lies that I want to talk about, okay? And we don't just make these lies up. They don't just pop into our head out of random and we tell them or we take these on to ourselves. The enemy is the author of all lies. In fact, in John 8, Pastor John actually talked about this earlier in the series. It says that the enemy, the devil, is the father of all lies. It doesn't just say he is a liar. He is the author and father of all lies. All lies come from the enemy. Make no mistake about that. The lies and deception, though, of the enemy are his only power. See, the enemy is not God. The enemy... His powers are limited, okay? God won't allow him to be on the same plane. He was never created to be on the same plane. In fact, the enemy, the devil, and all of his demons were created by God, okay? They weren't created as demons. They were created as angels, and they turned. That's another story for another day. But here's what I want you to know. He is finite. He can't be everywhere at once, and yet he operates 24-7. He never takes a break. So in that vein, I think that in order to do maximum damage to the kingdom of God, the enemy has to be efficient. Can't be everywhere at once, so he has to be efficient. How can he be efficient and do maximum damage given that his main power is in lies and deception? Well, I think he can do that by enlisting us to help him. So I don't think anybody wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to help the enemy out by helping him spread lies. I think what we do is we take the lies that he tells us, knowingly or unknowingly, and we start telling them to ourselves. Maybe it's a lie that you were told as a child, you'll never be smart enough, you'll never be good enough. Maybe it's a lie that you tell yourself as an adult or someone else told you. But that lie you have taken on to be a part of your identity. Sure, we can look at some of the obvious ones and say, that's a lie from the enemy. There are so many that are far more subtle than that. And we are more than happy to pick those up, tell them to ourselves, and help the enemy do his work. When we tell these lies, we come to accept them as part of who we are. At that point, that's when that lie can turn into a stronghold. And a stronghold in our life is damaging in many ways. I'm going to tell you about those. Strongholds, first of all, Strongholds were meant for protection, okay? When Paul is talking to the Corinthians and he writes that, um, that the powers of God have the divine power to demolish strongholds, when he writes that, he's writing to the Corinthians, the people who live in a walled city. They are a warrior culture, and they've got forts and walls up all over the place to protect themselves from the, 
they, they were seaside, so people would come in and attack them all the time. They knew what a stronghold was, and they knew what a stronghold was meant for. So he used this imagery when he was telling them about the power of God to tell them how powerful it is. See, they had come to rely on their stronghold. Their, their business was booming. Their lives were going. Their culture was doing well. All because they could rely on the stronghold of the walls, the fortress that surrounded the city, and they didn't have to worry about those things. So they had come to rely on that. And when Paul comes to them and says, the power of God can even tear down strongholds, to them, that registered, this is powerful. That was an illustration that they understood. This is power. If it can tear down those strongholds, that's a powerful thing. Strongholds are something that typically are good. We rely on them for protection. Okay, Strongholds protect us. It's what they were for. But the problem with walls is that they don't discriminate. Walls keep the bad out. Walls also keep the good out. Walls keep the good in, but they'll also keep the bad in if it's in there with you. That's the problem with walls. They keep everyone and everything at, God's, at arm's length, even the truth of God. Even the voice of God sometimes cannot penetrate the walls that we've put around ourselves, the strongholds that we've built. <clears throat> so I want to ask you a question. Do you have strongholds in your life? Do you think? Many? I think most of us do. Are you believing a lie? Are you believing a lie that has become a stronghold in your life? Do you need to change your mind and renew your way of thinking? We've heard many series, many messages over the past years where we talked about renewing your mind, changing your mind. And I think that we've done a good job of explaining how it's an ongoing process and how we should continually renew our mind and change our mind. But I want to answer that question, the question of do you have strongholds in your life? I want to answer that question with another question, and that question is this. Is your life all that you want it to be? Is your life all that God has promised you? All that God promises in your health, in your finances, in your relationships, in your ability to hear from God? What about in joy? You know when it says, when, this, when Psalm 1611 says, in your presence is fullness of joy. Fullness of joy, if you go back and look at those words in the Hebrew root, it doesn't really change it much, but it clarifies it a little bit. Overflowing with rejoicing. Fullness of joy is overflowing with rejoicing. Are you overflowing with rejoicing as you walk around every day? How about at work? Are you overflowing with rejoicing? Don't lie to me. <laughs> I can identify that lie right now. So if not, if you are not overflowing with rejoicing, if there are things in your life that are not what God promised, and you look at them and you say, this is not what God promises my life's going to look like. My finance and my health, all those things, they're not where I thought they'd be. They're not where God says they should be. Then you may have strongholds and lies. It's just that simple. So what's a stronghold look like? Again, it can be just a simple saying, something that you repeat to yourself over and over again. You may have said it since you were a kid. It may be something that's new. I'm not smart enough. I'll never succeed. I'll always be unhappy or sick or poor or overweight or alone. I'm a born loser. I can't hear God's voice. 
I'll never change. Those are some of the lies that the enemy tells us every single day. And if you're anything like me, and I know I am, I've told myself some of these very lies. Come on, that was funny. <laughs> I've told myself some of these very lies just today. Just today. You're not good enough to get up in front of everybody and teach. These are the lies that we take on. But those are the obvious lies. Those are the lies that if you told somebody that, that cares about you, you told your wife, you told your friend, this is what I'm thinking. I'm a born loser. I'm not good enough. They'll hopefully recognize that and say, you know, that's not true. That's not true. That's a lie. But some lies are even more clever than that. And I think sometimes they're even more damaging of that. Those are the lies of self-sufficiency that the enemy tells us, gets us to take these on, okay? Those are lies that sound like this. I should be able to fix my own problems. I don't really need to change. Or I'm perfect. I know there are many of you in this room who are approached that. <laughs> but nobody's really perfect. So with all that, do you, do you really think that you don't need to change? Do you really think that you are okay the way you are and there's nothing that needs to change in your life? Well, I want to tell you, if you call yourself a Christian, you say that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, then you've already gone through the biggest change that a person could possibly go through. You are saved from death by giving your life to Christ. That changed you. That transformed you in an instant into somebody who was following Christ, becoming more Christ-like, and experiencing the fullness that comes from having the Holy Spirit in you, growing in the fruits of the Spirit. You were immediately transformed when that happened. Colossians 2.13 actually says, You were dead because of your sins, and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. For he forgave all of our sins. That's a pretty big change. That's a huge thing that happened. But do you think that the process ended there? Many people do. There are a lot of Christians that say, once that happened, I have my salvation. That's secure. I'm with Christ now. So I'm just going to put that salvation up on a shelf, and I'm going to continue to live my life like I've always lived it, and I don't need anything else. In fact, I really don't even have to pay attention to that salvation I have because it's good. Bible says, and I've heard people tell me that it, it doesn't go away, so I'll just leave it up there and I'm good. But guys, it's an ongoing process. It happens all the time. There's scripture that, that talks about that. Um, 2 Corinthians 3.18, listen to this one. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We are being transformed. We are being transformed. It's a daily event. Uh, Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That's good news. He who began the work. You didn't start the work. God did. And they promised that he will continue to continue that good work. Hmm. To me, that makes me happy. I'm not done. I'm not even close to done. He's going to continue that work until the day of Christ Jesus. But even knowing that, even knowing that not only can we change, but we should change, and that it should be an ongoing process, we still help the enemy with lies. We still help the enemy come against everything that God is trying to do. 
Why do we do that? Here are three common lies. Okay, we've talked about this whole series has been about lies. Here are some lies. Now, we took the, the personal lies, if you get that, personal lies, the, the lies that we tell ourselves. We tell ourselves so many lies, but we thought about it, and we boiled it down to about three categories that most of the lies that we tell ourselves fall into, and here they are. The first lie, I can change on my own. I know I need to change. I know I have addictions. I know I have a sinful nature. I know I have a lot of things I should change, but I can do it on my own. Here's why this is a lie. First of all, the first and second commandments of Ten Commandments fame, okay, say, first one, thou shalt have no other gods before me. The second one goes on to say that there's, you should have no idols. Did you know that self-reliance is a form of idolatry? Relying on yourself, saying, I can do this. You're placing yourself on a plane above God. In fact, there's a pastor, Matt Chandler. Many of you may have heard of him, but I, I love him. He's got a quote that I want to read you. It talks about idolatry. Because the idolatry that exists in a man's heart always wants to lead him away from his Savior and back to self-reliance. No matter how pitiful that self-reliance is or how many times it's betrayed him. The truth, the truth that no matter how many times we've tried to rely on ourselves, it's failed us. Our, my willpower, my ability to help myself is pretty narrow. It doesn't do me a whole lot of good. And yet I still wake up in the morning and tell myself, I am going to have the determination to do this. I am just going to make up my mind to do this or to do that. And it never works. It never works. But that fact isn't enough to stop self-help books from being so prevalent. Self-help books are the number one category of books on Amazon.com. Okay? And that's, that's what I use for all things books related is Amazon.com. And everything else, by the way. It might be a stronghold of mine. <laughs> but on Amazon.com, the top category of, of book sales is self-help books. And here's the top two books. Okay, The top two self-help books on Amazon, and I don't know for what length of time, but they're the top two. Number one, How to Win Friends and Influence People from Dale Carnegie. Okay, A lot of people have heard that. Sold 15 million copies. That's a lot of copies of a book, right? If you take all of the wisdom in that book and you boil it down to its key element, to its like one-sentence description of all the wisdom in that book, it's this. Honey generally works better than vinegar. Okay? True. That's what that book boils down to. The second most popular self-help book is a book called The Road Less Traveled by M. Scott Peck. Been out for, I think it was written in the 70s. It's been out for a long, long time. Okay, this has actually been called the self-help Bible. People call it the self-help Bible. In it, you'll find answers to everything you want. If you boil it down to its one-sentence description, its one-sentence synopsis of everything that that book is trying to tell you, it's this. Life is a series of thorny problems. Get used to it. Those of you who have read the book, right? That's basically what it comes down to. <laughs> so, 
These books have a lot of great advice. Look, the, I'm not talking bad about these books. These books have helped millions and millions of people. I've read them myself. Very helpful advice. Very, very good advice. But it's worldly advice, and it all comes from another source. There's another book. This book has sold five to six billion, not sold, but in existence, five to six billion, with a B, copies. Okay, that's the Holy Bible. Five to six billion copies in existence now. That doesn't count the ones over time that have been destroyed. That's how many Bibles are around the earth right now. Five to six billion. And when you finally get to the point to where you see that self-help books aren't getting it done, your own willpower is not getting it done, and you need to turn somewhere, you turn to the Bible. Look, if you, if you struggle with the lie that I can do it my own, on, my, on myself or on my own, you're not alone. There are plenty of stories in the Bible of people who thought they could do it on their own. The Apostle Paul. Okay, Paul had just gone through an incredible transformation, meeting Jesus and being transformed from who he was into the absolute greatest advocate, the greatest of the apostles, spreading the Lord's word everywhere. Okay, he wrote most of the New Testament. He was a very, very transformed man. But he struggled with this. He said, I'm transformed. I'm this new person. Why do I still mess up? Why do I still do the things I used to do? And in fact, in Romans 7, Paul writes about that struggle. You've heard it. He has this quote. He says, what I want to do, I don't do. And what I, want, what I don't want to do, I do. How many times have we done that? I don't want to do that. I won't, I won't, I won't. Okay, I'm going to do it. <laughs> do it all the time. Okay, but yeah, after that, after he says that what I don't want to do, I do, he says, when I want to do good, evil's right there with me. So he recognized that evil constantly prowled around, trying to tempt him to do the opposite of what in his mind and in his heart and what the Holy Spirit was telling him the right thing to do was. Okay, the end of that, the end of Romans 7, it concludes with this. This is from the message version, but I love the way that it, that it says. This is Romans 7, verse 24. I've tried everything. This is Paul talking. I've tried everything, and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? This is Paul. Paul struggled with those very same things. Came to the end of his rope and said, who can help me? Paul struggled with that. Don't condemn yourself for struggling with that, but realize that it's a lie from the enemy. So if that's the lie, what's the truth? What's the truth that opposes the lie, I can do it on my own? It's this. John 15, verse 5. This is Jesus talking. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is the vine, we are the branches. Now, when I was writing this message and I was praying that through and I was asking God to to show me, show me what you have in this. What is there? I felt like he was trying to tell me something more. And I was praying that through. And he gave me a picture of a vine, okay, a, a, a grape vine. Grape, you've got the main vine, you've got all the branches. But one, one branch in itself doesn't do much. In fact, one branch in itself will eventually just dangle down and it'll drag on the ground and bugs will eat the grapes and it won't be any good. You have all the other branches. And all the other branches are there, they're intertwined and they support each other. So not only is the, is the vine... 
the, the main support and the life giver to the branch. But the branches are there to support one another. And I think God goes on and he backs that up when in, Gal- in Galatians 6, 2 it says this, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We are to not only rely on Christ, but to help each other bear our, own, our burdens. No person should be alone. No person can do it alone. Our reliance needs to, number one, be on Jesus Christ and what he can do for us. What he's already done for us, and through his power, what we can do. And then, secondly, on each other. So here's the second lie. The second lie is this. Change isn't worth it. Change is too much work. Change is painful. Okay, now if you've gone to the gym trying to lose weight, you know that change is extremely painful. But there are other kinds of pain other than physical pain. There's the the mental pain of giving up a stronghold. There's the mental pain of giving up something that you've come to rely on. Okay, in Luke 18, it's the story of the rich young man who comes to Jesus. He comes to Jesus and he's saying, um, Lord, he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So I picture this guy. He knows, he's kind of like the kid in class that when the teacher asks a question, he throws his hand up because he immediately knows the answer. The teacher doesn't call on him because the teacher knows he always knows the answer. The other kids know he always knows the answer. Why does he even raise his hand? He knows the answer. I picture this guy as going to Jesus, asking that question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he's standing there going, got it. I got the answer. I know what the answer is. I know what the answer is. Okay? And Jesus says to him, you know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. Pretty straightforward, right? The guy responds back to him. This is my paraphrase. No problemo. I got that. Okay? In fact, what he does say is all these I have kept since I was a boy. Okay? Now he probably puffed out his chest and said, give me the gold star because I know I've been keeping all these commandments. But here's what happens. Jesus turns to him and he says this. You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. So what happens? Guy standing there proudly, he's thinking he's got the answer. He's been following the commandments his whole life. And Jesus says, that one thing, that thing that you've come to rely on, give that up. And then we'll talk. What happens? The next verse. He became very sad because he was very wealthy. His wealth had become more important to him than what Jesus had to offer. The man's wealth was a stronghold in his life that he had come to rely on even more than the prospect of eternal life that Jesus offered him. And so he walked away sad. He could have given that up in exchange for eternal life, but he wouldn't do it. Couldn't do it. It had become his stronghold. So how about an example a little bit closer to home? Okay, before God called us to ministry, (coughs) Gabe and I, had good jobs. We were well-respected in our field. Gabe was giving speeches all over town. She was sought out. People were coming to find her. I had risen through the ranks, and I was service director of a, of a dealership. I had 60 to 80 employees underneath me. But people from other places would call me asking how I did this, how I did that. Same with her. We were well-respected. We were comfortable. 
We had a good living. We had a good lifestyle. Okay, we made good money. We had weekends off. Okay. And then what happened is God came to us. And he said, I have something for you. I have a new life for you. I have a new calling for you. But it's going to require you to step away from all those things you rely on. It's going to cause, it's going to require you to step away from something that you could do in your sleep better than most people could do into something that you've never done before. And we had a choice to make. Do we rely on our stronghold, our safety net, and saying, hey, we're good at this, we're doing good money, we could keep doing this till we die, retire, everything is going to be just fine? Or do we walk away from it into the calling that God had for us? But guys, I can tell you, we have never second-guessed that decision. We have been blessed beyond measure by stepping away from our stronghold and following what the Lord had for us, regardless of how much sense it made at the time. So the lie is, change isn't worth it. Here's the truth. Hebrews 12, 11 says this. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. A harvest of righteousness and peace. Is there anybody here who doesn't want a harvest of righteousness and peace in your life? Raise your hand. No, don't, don't do that. I want that, and that's why that's a lie. All right, the third lie. Change is a formula. Change is a formula. If I just do the right things, if I just do the things I've been told work, then I will change. It's a formula. Here's why this is a lie. Have you ever said to yourself or had somebody say to you any of these things? I saw fasting do amazing things for my friend. Why doesn't it work for me? My sister went to healing night, and her migraines went away. Why am I still sick? My dad received the gift of tongues, but it didn't work on me. I was taught to go into my closet and pray on my knees, and God would answer all my prayers. But I never seemed to hear anything. They say that God speaks to you when you read the Bible, but I have never heard anything. Or how about this? I went on a retreat expecting my life to be changed, and nothing did. Look, guys, transforming into the glorious image of Christ, which is what the Bible promises us, he's working in us every day. It's not a cookie-cutter process. There are very few things in life that are a cookie-cutter process. There are so many ways for the Lord to finish the process that he, that he started in us. And he knows the best way. Psalm 32.8, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. The Lord promises us that he will guide us over the best pathway. Not what worked for somebody else, the best pathway for you. The pathway that may only work for you and may not work for anybody else. So all these well-meaning people that come to you and say, this is what I did and it worked for me. Okay, listen to that advice. There's wisdom in a multitude of counsel. But ultimately, we take those things to God and say, Lord, is this what you have for me? Is this how you want me to handle this? And if you hear yes, then you can go into it with every expectation that that's exactly what's going to happen. Otherwise, you're simply hearing something that worked for someone else. It may or may not work for you. It's not a formula. There are so many different tools and opportunities that we make. 
The church is all about making opportunities and giving you tools so that you can hear from God. Okay? We have prayer. We have singular prayer. We have corporate prayer nights. We have prophetic prayer. During any of those times or all of those times, God can speak to you. In fact, we tell you, expect God to speak to you. And he very well may. But he also may not. And it's a lie from the enemy if you think that if, if he didn't speak to you when you were praying, that there's something wrong with you. Bible studies. We have Bible studies all the time. Ladies' Bible studies going on right now. Bible studies are a great way for God to speak to you. You're reading a verse, you're talking about it, and all of a sudden he plants a thought in your head, some wisdom, some revelation that you've never had before. That's how God can speak during Bible studies. Fellowship with each other. How many times have you been to a lunch, or maybe you haven't, been to a lunch with somebody and you're just talking about the message or you're talking about what's going on in life and God gives you something? Tell them this. This will encourage them or help them through this. That's happened a lot of times to me. I've had stories from other people where that has happened. That's a way that it can happen. It's a way. Retreats, conferences, our deliverance ministry, okay? Sozo is what we call it. The whole point of Sozo ministry is to direct you to ask questions of God, receive those answers. It's not through any wisdom of mine or any counseling. It's hearing from God. Here's how God got a hold of me. Okay, I wasn't even saved. I was at a worship session, actually here at Jubilee. I was watching worship. And the worship was touching my heart. And the joy of the worship leader, he was up on stage and he was so happy. And he had that joy. And I looked and I said, man, I want that joy. And if it takes just letting down my guard just a little bit to maybe have some of that. And it was during that, during that very song, right after I had that thought, that God came rushing in, and he said, I love you, and I want you, and I have a plan for you. That's how my life was changed. But it doesn't have to happen that way for you. There are so many ways. It is not a formula. The only surefire solution, the only thing that I can tell you, this is a formula for changing your life. Okay, write this down if you want. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it's in your notes. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Remaining in Christ, remaining in Christ is what will continue that change. You want to change? Stay in Christ. You want to change? Go to Christ and ask him for the answers. That is the only surefire way. Relationship with Christ. And hearing the voice of the Lord through the Holy Spirit is the only surefire way that you can change. So if I could ask the worship team to head up, I want to conclude with this. To overcome the lies of the enemy, we have to fight them with truth. Make no mistake, it is an ongoing battle for your soul. We've been given the, the tools to fight it. We've been given the weapons. 2 Corinthians 10.4 says this, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world, on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We have been given the weapons. We've also been given the authority. James 4, 7 says, resist the devil and he will flee. Luke 10, 19 goes on to say this. I, this is Jesus speaking. I have given you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all of the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. We have been given the authority. We have been given the weapons. 
to stand against the lies of the enemy. The lies of the enemy have no power over you unless you give it to them. You give it to them by partnering with those lies. The truth, the truth straight from Jesus will overcome all of those lies. And the last scripture I have is this, Romans 8, verses 37 through 39. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen to that. The solution to living the victorious, joyous, bountiful life that God wants for you, that he has promised for you, and that he has set out for you lies with Jesus. It begins and it ends with Jesus. So as we go into the response time, here's what I would like you to do. We have all the normal elements. We'll have communion. We've got candles. But what I want you to focus on is this. On your seat is a card. There are cross cards that we use and a pen. I want you to take this time to go to God and say, Lord, what am I believing that's a lie? What lie have I allowed to become a stronghold in my life? When you hear that, I want you to write it on that card. Write it on that card, take it to the crosses, pin it to those crosses, and leave it there. Leave it there for Jesus to deal with. Because he already dealt with them. He's the only one that knows how to take care of those. We were never meant to carry those burdens. We were never meant to carry those lies. Write them down on the paper. And I'll walk you through the prayer here in just a minute. Leave them there. Then when you do that, Come up here and take communion. Pin your lies to the cross, then come up front and take communion. Or you can do it at the crosses where we have juice. Thank Jesus because of what he did. We have not only the tools, but we have the authority to stand against the lies of the enemy and to live the absolute, fullest, most blessed life that God has for us. Would you guys pray with me? Father God, we thank you, Lord, that you sent your son for us. You sent your son to give us victory over the schemes, the lies, and the thievery of the enemy. God, and it's through Jesus that we claim that victory. Lord God, I want you to, everyone that can hear my voice right now, Lord, show us, Father God, what lie are we believing in our lives? What lie from the enemy have we allowed to rule our lives and become a stronghold? Now, Father God, that's the lie. Lord, tell us, what is your truth? What is the truth straight from the heart of God into each individual here? What is your truth about that lie that we believe? Father God, we thank you, Lord, that you speak to us. When we come to you humbly and we ask for your voice and for your wisdom, Lord, we thank you that you speak to us. We thank you that 
that you are faithful. God, that no matter how many times we mess up, no matter how, how many times we believe a lie, no matter how many strongholds there are to break through, God, you give us the power and the strength and the authority to break through those. God, you are always there by our side, ready to give us the truth if we ask. And so, Father, I just pray everyone here, for those who received a lie, heard the lie from you, God, I pray that the truth that you gave them just becomes a part of who they are. God, that they walk out of here taller and lighter and stronger and more joyful than they were when they walked into this building because they know this is the truth and this is from my Father God who created me. I will not partner with the lies of the enemy. I will not partner with anything that detracts me from what God has for me. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord, for what you do. God, I lift everyone up in here. I ask that you bless them, God. Make your word real. We love you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.